Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Joe Ingles on the top, works to the right side of the floor, hesitates, curls back out to the left. Now he's got Magruder on him, flares from the corner to Donovan, ball fakes Kawhi Leonard, drives, goes up high, cocks the right hand, and hammers! Oh, Donovan, don't do me like that! Williams trying to throw it through traffic, stolen by the Jazz. Gobert has it, pushes ahead to Bogdanovich, back to Clarkson. Clarkson attacks the 10 and lays it up and in! 109-102 Utah! And the Jazz get the kind of win that fans always dream of. They take down the Clippers in L.A., and they do it by dominating the final five minutes. PK! Yeah. Victory is ours! So let me get this straight. Jazz fans have always dreamed of beating the Clippers in Los Angeles. Well, since this season. I mean, always? (laughs) Not in the 90s. I was going to say. Let's go back a little bit. This season. The Olua Candy years? Come on. <laughs> oh, those are uh, – the Olua Candy years are actually high watermarks. Sort of hey, Ken Norman year. isn't walking through that door. No, Kawhi Leonard is. <laughs> These aren't your yeah. dad's clippers. Live in the okay. now. Always this season. I'll grant you yeah. on that. Yes, absolutely. If you go always this season, Kawhi Leonard had a bad shooting night. The Jazz played brilliantly. That cocking that uh, Donovan Mitchell does has become his signature dunk to the point where in the fan store downstairs, they've got like a replica of it, a statue. I don't know what you'd call it because it is sure awesome. He's playing great. Joe Ingles is playing great. And we've talked about, well, it's, this is like the Utah Utes this season. They just beat up on a bunch of average teams. Uh-oh can't use that excuse they went down to los angeles they didn't have all their players but they had most of them and they had their best of the best of them and the conley obviously wasn't there for the jazz and it was a great great win and jordan clarkson has taken over jay crowder's role only he makes more shots so now the schedule there are no uh there's nobody as good as the clippers on the schedule for the next three weeks this is, uh, with the exception of Brooklyn, because I think Brooklyn's a game over 500. It's a bunch of teams with losing records. So I guess the question going forward is, are these guys focused enough, mature enough, eyes on the goal, that they, they beat all these teams? Even if they have an off night, they grind it out against an inferior team and get the win. Because this is a chance to put together a, a stretch of games here. Pick up some Ws. Well, the rest of the teams that they play, their fans... They've always, always dreamed, dreamed of beating the Jazz this year. Yes. <laughs> this year. Always this year. I love hyperbole on a Monday morning. Absolutely. <laughs> it's the Detroit Pistons tonight, so uh, it's a bunch of uh, average-to-below-average teams uh, fill up the schedule here the next three weeks. This is the kind of game they're going to be facing. If they don't play well, they could certainly lose it. If they do play well, they ought to have a Big old winning streak here as the season approaches the uh, the midway point. Yeah, agreed. Seven o'clock tonight. Normal game time and everything. AT and T Sportsnet. So the pregame show starts at six o'clock here on the Zone. And the Stars. Hey, you can't win them all. After losing the first two and winning fourteen in a row, they they got beat by the Austin Spurs. So fourteen mm. and three now. Well, I'm only about uh, seventy miles from Austin, so I'll go up there after the show, try to figure out what was going on. Good, you do that. Get to the bottom of that. 
You can swing by uh, University of Texas. Wait, they're not going to be up there anyway, are they? They're down in San Antonio now. Yes. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. It's something that was instilled in me when I was when I first picked up a basketball. Little league coach Frank Walker always talked about is, um, you know, it's the greatest um, part of, uh, of basketball to be able to see the ball move from side to side, uh, to be able to um, attract the defense and, um, you know, get your teammates open shot. So LeBron James reflecting on another assist, assist number 9,000 in his career. He gets that as the Lakers beat the Mavericks in a game that was largely not all that entertaining, to be honest with you. Luka Doncic took a fall, didn't look like himself after that. I don't know, tailbone, back, whatever it is. Uh, He came back in and played, but he didn't look great after that. And injury is kind of the story of the night because the Rockets were shorthanded. Didn't have James Harden. He missed a game. Clint Capella missed his second game. And without those guys, New Orleans beat Houston 127-112. to Got to have your guys, PK. Yeah, you forgot Westbrook didn't play either, for that matter. So they were out. They were without all three of those guys. So obviously that's the the crux of their team. I mean, you're not going to win any games with those three going out. You know, I listen to LeBron talk, and, and, and it's really true because he is – He's as unselfish as they come. He doesn't look to just take over games. He looks to win games. I think you can make a case for him as the greatest, uh, what would you say, all-around player offensively because he seems to be much more of a willing passer and a better passer than the greats that we consider in that category, basically. You know, him and Magic. They could score. They could score. Uh, but they have no problem passing. If you're open and you're playing with an all-time player like those two, you're going to get the ball. He passes more than Bird passed, don't you think? I mean, Bird was a pretty willing passer among the elite scorers, guys who are elite scorers and champions, right? The best of the best, the first ballot, no-brainer first ballot Hall of Fame guys. Yes, and the, and the thing where I put Magic in that category is both of those guys had the ball to initiate the yeah. offense a lot more than Larry Bird. If Larry Bird would have initiated the offense, he probably would have passed it more. But most of the time, obviously, it was Ainge or Dennis Johnson were initiating the offense. It wasn't Bird, but certainly Bird could pass the ball, no question about it. Well, he's at 9,000, which puts him ninth on the all-time assist list, and there's only five guys who've gotten to 10,000, and... Uh... Wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to see LeBron in that club here in a little while. Also, LeBron named the AP Top Male Athlete of the Decade over the weekend for uh, not just the two titles in Miami, but that story of going back to Cleveland and returning to his stomping grounds that he abandoned and bringing him back from 3-1 against the Warriors. Uh, AP Athlete, Male Athlete of the Decade, yeah. how many did Tom Brady win? Three. He's got three. Tom Brady's got six. He's got three in one decade and three in the other. The aughts and the teens, whatever they are. Okay. All right. So he split them up. Uh, The team the Jazz ought to be kind of uh, molding themselves after now is actually behind them in the standings. The Thunder win again. The Thunder picking up speed here. They've won 11. They're 11 and four in the last 15, and they've done it mostly by beating teams below them in the standings. Bad records. They've been pretty consistent. And they got a good win beating the Raptors 98 97. So. That's the kind of stretch we ought to see the Jazz on here because the Jazz and Thunder schedules here, similarly, playing a lot of sub-500 teams. Got to clean up on them. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Well, college hoops over the weekend. 
BYU beat Oral Roberts, the only child's 23 points in the 79-73 win. The Cougars improving to 12-4, and and we'll see what happens when they get into the conference season, but as it sits here right now, about midway through the year, Joe Lenardi's got him in the tourney, PK, and in the tourney with a decent seat. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, Mark Pope would be, just be ecstatic in his first year, you know, and uh, not that Mark Pope is the greatest coach ever, but he's doing a fine job. But with a couple of the transfers, or at least one, Toulson, he inherited seniors, and seniors are going to win games in this basically in college basketball against the level of competition that they play. And so we see that. And so, yeah, I'm expecting them. I don't know if they're going to be able to beat St. Mary's and Gonzaga, but I'm expecting, well, when I say beat them, I'm talking about beat them in the standings. I expect them to be competitive and not go 0-4 against those two teams. So I'm expecting them to beat them. I'm not sure about Gonzaga, but you better at least split with St. Mary's and finally beat Gonzaga at home. It seems like that's been a long time and I'm expecting it to be competitive. And then obviously with that being said, I'm expecting you to clean up on the rest of those teams and not have some of those two or three horrendous losses that you've managed the last few years. Well, to go out on the road and defend, the shot-making that they've counted on in past years has not always traveled, as it doesn't always travel in the college game. But the way they've been defending, they ought to be able to avoid that horrific loss. USF, San Diego, Pepperdine, wherever. Portland. Portland, yes. Let's remember Portland. Pacific. Shut the F up. (laughs) DJ, uh, the rest of the games at Utah State sat two guys. Uh, They sat uh, Keda, and they they sat... um, Sam Merrill, and it didn't matter. They beat Eastern Oregon 129-61. to 61. Bringing up the question, why, why are they playing these games? Why? What, what in the world is the point? It's like you just got to – you're supposed to play a game to so just find anybody because you don't actually want to play a game. A scrimmage. I guess you want to tune up before league. Big Sky play started for Weber State. They lost to Eastern Washington. They've had a lot of good years up there, but this is just shaping up as a horrible one. 4-8 and 0-1. And Yikes. Southern Utah opens uh, Big Sky Play at Portland State tonight. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Burrow going to the air again, this time coming for it at the five-yard line, far side. Jefferson has his fourth receiving touchdown of the day. Touchdown, Tigers. Burrow, play action, tosses into the end zone. Terrace Marshall all by his lonesome. Touchdown, Tigers. Well, there's the argument for not expanding the playoff because Oklahoma, when it was all said and done, no one could really argue with Oklahoma being team number four. And team number four, and I know they had three guys suspended and then they had a guy kicked out of the game. And, but PK, they gave up touchdowns on six straight possessions in the first half. Seven out of eight and a half. That was humiliating. The 63-28 final doesn't do justice how bad, how lopsided that game was. And 63-28 is pretty lopsided. Uh, yeah, I guess you can argue, though, that if they would have had other teams in there, the team like Utah or Oregon, if they had earned their way, particularly Oregon, maybe they would have shown better. And Oklahoma was the only team that they could put in because they could only put in four. And another criteria, if you have two losses, it's basically an unwritten rule. You're out of the running. So if you had more teams and you could let in a two-loss team, they could play better. So you can go back and forth. But I think the story is about the brilliant offense of LSU and Barrows there with everything that they've got going and pulling the trigger to the probably the as well as any LSU quarterback has ever had or ever done. They were simply awesome. Yeah, for a blowout, it was an awesome game. Normally, I'm 
floored by blowouts, but that game was incredible with him doing what he was doing and those receivers and everybody just being so good together on offense. So you weren't bored by the second half of that? I mean, I got to admit, you're right. Even though it was 35-7 in the first half, I was still watching. How badly are they going to smoke these guys? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Usually for a blowout, you you, you don't have interest. But I was just fascinated on how good this LSU offense is. Now, Oklahoma, you know, they're normally an offensive team. They're not the greatest of defenses. So it would have been fun to see somebody like Utah's defense in there, minus that Oregon game, to see what they can do. We'll never know. But, uh, yeah, that was that was an incredible performance. And what a day of college football in terms of the two two uh, playoff games. And both of them in their own right were great. Well, Clemson and Ohio State certainly was. They're two undefeated teams, and you'd think it'd be an even matchup. And it was. There were a bunch of big plays, and I think the big plays Ohio State didn't make is finishing those drives early. They had a chance to really open up a lead the way LSU did. And they kicked field goals instead of scoring touchdowns and came back mm-hmm. to haunt them, and it was 29-23, but very entertaining game. Wasn't it beautiful, though? <laughs> to watch Ohio State lose. You hate Ohio State. Let me give a little background. I'm in San Antonio right now. I'm on the 28th floor. I watch the sunrise to the east, obviously. I can overlook the Alamo Dome. I can see it. I feel like I can reach out and touch it. It's just on the other side of the freeway. Well, I flew down from Phoenix yesterday, and uh, so I spent some time in Old Town Scottsdale and uh, had, had a burger before I left to the airport. And to see all the people in their Ohio State paraphernalia and be so sad... It's just a beautiful day. <laughs> All right, so uh, bowl games today. There are some Pac-12 teams playing. Uh, Cal is playing, so I guess there's one playing. Cal and Illinois in the Red Box Bowl, two o'clock on Fox. They're playing in San Francisco. If you want to, if you want to check that out, and uh, another New Year's Six game. Bronco Mendenhall's 24th ranked Virginia Cavaliers playing ninth ranked Florida in the Orange Bowl. It's got snoozer written all over it. The buck. Yeah, right. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Down. Here's your game. Here's Russell Wilson back. Wilson throws. Caught. Hollister's hit on the goal line and dropped by Drake Greenlaw. He is short. 49ers come away with the ball. The 49ers have stopped Hollister on the goal line. The 49ers are going to win the game. 49ers holding off a late drive by the Seattle Seahawks. A bunch of stuff happened at the end of that game. Seattle converting on 4th and 10 at the 12. John, and then, John Ursua, former Utah high school player. And then spiking the ball to stop the clock and then taking a delay of game penalty. That was awful. That was awful. But then, pass interference in the end zone, Fred Warner. Looked like he got away with one right there. But they didn't review it, even though they put in review after what happened in the playoffs a year ago with the Saints and the Rams. Statement was that the NFL did get a look at it. They decided not to delay it. Yeah, well, they were the, the line of scrimmage was the six, and he was in the end zone. So that was a lot of contact more than five yards yeah. downfield. That was a lot of contact. Hey, you don't know they would have scored, though. Nope, you don't. It would have put them back at the one and given them options. But they were out of timeout, so maybe there would have been a tackle in bounds, and that would have been it. We all want the drama after the Super Bowl, though, don't we? It's back, beast mode. It's not the Super Bowl. It's to win a division. Yeah, I just thought that how many times have we ever seen a team 
lose a game by an inch at the goal line and a team, the very same team, win a game by an inch at the goal line. That really is incredible. Niners have played a lot of really close games this year. They had the game with Atlanta that you talk about. They had the New Orleans game that was decided by the last second field goal. They had uh, an overtime game. The uh, the Ravens, the that was a, game, that yeah. went right down to the end. They have played a lot of games that not only have been in the balance with two minutes left, has literally been in the balance on the final play. Okay, so I you give me New Orleans and either Baltimore or New England, and I give you the field. Do you take it? Say that again. You get uh, I get New Orleans in uh-huh. the in the one, and then in the other I get either Baltimore or New England. Well, you would take Baltimore over New England. I mean, New England gave away the bye, and they're going to have to play two road games. They haven't looked good in the final month. I would take Baltimore if I were you. Uh, Would I take the field there? See, once you take Baltimore, I don't know that I take the field. I really, I mean, I think this is, Baltimore is, to me, they're they're the heavy favorite going into this. Okay, fine, I'll take Tennessee. I probably wouldn't take the field. (laughs) Okay, if you're going to take Tennessee and New Orleans, I'll take the field. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, do you do you think either of the one seeds are overwhelming favorites or locks to get to the Super Bowl, Baltimore and San Francisco? Because San Francisco has already beaten New Orleans and has blown out Green Bay. Yeah, but I don't care what happened before. I'm looking at what happened ahead. Well, in that case, I would think that there are – I have a lot of confidence in the top three teams in the NFC. I don't think it's a shock if any one of them wins it. And AFC, uh, I have confidence in two teams in the AFC. It should be Baltimore or Kansas City in the Super Bowl. If New England comes back after the way they played the last month to win three straight playoff games now, I mean, it's Belichick and Brady, so we shouldn't count them out. But the offense hasn't looked good, and now the defense failed in the clutch against the Dolphins. I mean, they had the lead with, finally, finally they had the lead with three and a half minutes to go, but they had the lead with three and a half minutes to go, and the defense let them go right down the field. Uh, Coaches are getting fired. This is the day, right? Black Monday, that's the NFL slang for today. The day after the season ends, they just start firing coaches. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, they didn't wait. Cleveland fired him on Sunday and the Giants have just fired Shermer this morning. Washington fired team president Bruce Allen. They keep letting letting guys get video of Daniel Snyder like leaving and giving him the cold shoulder at stadiums every week. Uh, Come on down, you can shoot some video here. They're going to make him walk home. Think about what you've done for the last decade. Done humiliating Bruce Allen. They fired him. Of course, he made a gazillion dollars, so there's that. And then Rivera to Washington. Is that what I'm hearing? So that is what everyone is expecting. It hasn't happened yet, but everyone's expecting it to happen. Uh, But it's Washington, so nobody really wants to go out and guarantee it because it's, you know, just on a whim, Daniel Snyder can change his mind. Um, but that is the thought that they are the, the, the language they're using. They are poised to hire, but nobody wants to guarantee that it's done. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, Texas Longhorns rider for the Athletic, Kalen Jones, will join us at 8 o'clock to look ahead to the Utes and the Longhorns in the Alamo Bowl tomorrow. And Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, 9 o'clock, to sort out all things college and pro hoops. Coming up next, got a lot of reaction from people after the win over the Clippers. People very excited. And some people who are willing to hold on to that excitement and reserve judgment for a while. 
see how the team follows it up. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Rudy, it's not. I like that he thinks he's the best defensive player in the league. That's the right mindset to have. No, no, he believes that because he is. Like, he doesn't try to convince himself he is. In 2014, Rudy didn't come out and go, I'm the best defensive player in the league. No, Rudy was saying, I would like to be, and I have work to do to get there because he knew it was a process. Mm. He still doesn't believe he's arrived. He just knows he's the best defensive player in the league. You love this mentality. I'm sure it can be tough to get along with that type of personality at times. Yes! But you know what you're always going to get from him. You better believe And that is the most important thing for me. In any walk of life, that's what you want. You have to start from a standpoint of knowing what you're going to get from the person next right to you. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. PK's brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. All right, it's Black Monday in the NFL. As coaches get fired, we will let you know. The Giants have made the change. Cleveland made the change yesterday. They fired their guy. Freddie Kitchens is out. Shermer's out with the Giants. Uh, Jason Garrett, there's photos all over social media of he and his family and friends. He's in a suit playing catch on the field, and they're taking selfies in midfield. It's like they're, they're just expecting it. They've resigned themselves to it, and he'll move on and coach somewhere else. But wrap up the season, probably a decade with a bunch of photos and a bunch of memories there in Dallas. So we'll keep you updated if, uh, if anything breaks. In the meantime, PK, locally people looking at that Jazz Clipper game thinking, hey, look at this. They can beat a Western Conference playoff team on the road. And a lot of people took a lot of joy. It's a small thing, but as Donovan Mitchell went off with an array of moves, a couple of, uh, a couple of really nice three-pointers before the half, uh, the big dunk, we had Locke's call on that in the last segment, and uh, just generally finding different ways to score and getting his 30 points, you could just hear the oohs and the ahs from the crowd. It's, it's a sign of respect. Our guy really is that good. It's not just us loving our guy. Look! They love him in L.A. too, which I guess one day could be a problem. But right now, take it as a compliment. And Jazz fans did. He's that good. Mitchell's really upped his game this year, and you'd expect that from a star getting better, a star who's only 23 years old. And to see what he's doing is just very, very impressive. He's efficient, and the way he can take over and, okay, boys, we need a bucket right now. I'm your guy and not look like he's discombobulated or disjointed, but looking smooth in his decision-making. And that comes with maturity and experience, and he's, the talent is there. So, yeah, he's, he's looking like a, a true superstar in the making because if you're averaging 30 points on a team that wins, you know, maybe if you average a bunch of points on a team that isn't winning, it doesn't matter as much. But on a team that's winning – uh, that that's pretty good. And what are they? They're eight games above five hundred right now. Yep. Uh, that that that's a great spot to be in. They got fifty games left, right? Uh, they're twenty and twelve, and so they got the nice round number of fifty games here. And in a few weeks, we'll be at the halfway point of the season, and they're looking good. Yeah, and they should be able to beat a team like the Clippers on the road, and they did. You know, Kawhi Leonard. I think it was six of twenty four. It wasn't happening for him. They were coming off a big game, obviously Christmas night. We all saw that game with the. Lakers and how much that mattered in terms of just the 
showmanship of the NBA. So maybe there was a little letdown there after that big game. But the Jazz played well enough to win. They got tested and they pulled away. And it was it was fun to see. And, and Clarkson is providing the offense that they needed. I mean, if he gave you two points, that's two more than Exxon was giving. But he's a player. He's been in this league now for a number of years. And so he's coming in and doing well. And they got it going on right now. They're playing good ball. I don't think anybody can argue that. I put it on Twitter, uh, you know, the bench is a little up and down. But if they get if they get the finishing group, those, those five guys who come in to close games, if they give those guys even a one-point lead – then the odds of the Jazz winning are very good. And somebody tweeted back at me, well, up and down is better than down and down, so that's an improvement. I'm like, well, you're right, it is. Good point. Solid. You know, and I also think your point about the score there, I mean, Donovan's in an elite territory at 25 points a game. There's only 13 guys in the league doing it. But a bunch of the guys who are scoring that many points are doing it for losing teams. There's only about a half dozen of them. It's about half who are doing it for playoff teams and about half who are doing it for teams that are going to have losing records and miss the playoffs. So he is being outscored by Brandon Ingram, but New Orleans isn't going anywhere. And Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota doesn't look like they're going anywhere right now either. And there's a few other guys, Trey Young in Atlanta. It's, that's a bad team, and Trey Young's filling it up. So there are a lot of guys in that group who aren't winning. And the fact that you can score that and, and get the points when your team really needs them. And a couple times he got into the paint late in the game. And the same thing against Portland. Uh, they, they were blowing that big lead against Portland on the night after Christmas, and they called timeout, and they set something up for Donovan, and he got in the paint and had a little six-footer and scored it, and that turned out to be the bucket that turned the tide in the final two minutes. Those are, those are, uh, all the points are important, but we know there are points that points in the game where the momentum's hanging in the balance, and you take it back for your team with a big bucket, and he's done that multiple times. Yeah, winning plays is what we call them right now. The Damian Lillard, to bring up Portland, is viewed as a superstar. Right now, who do you take, Lillard or Mitchell? I take Mitchell. Right now? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Damian's got the better resume, but he's been in the league longer. And that, that team has been crushed by injuries. They're still waiting to get Nurkic back. Lillard will always have now, – now we know he'll always have that signature 38, 40-foot shot, whatever it was, to win a series, which, by the way, he now ends his warm-up routine with. He, he did it against the Jazz. I assume he does it all the time. It's signature shot. You remember this from right here? He hit that. Does he wave goodbye? He hit that. In the pre, he, didn't, well, no, he didn't wave goodbye in the pregame warm-ups. But it was like if you were watching and you are paying attention, you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen you shoot from there before. In the first round we're talking about? Yep. That's nice. well which of the guards will get beyond that I was just looking at that assist list because we were talking about LeBron James and one of the guys he's trailing is Chris Paul and I was thinking about the whole Chris Paul Darren Williams but I mean neither guy has won a title neither guy went to the finals uh, Darren went to the Commerce Finals once. It's uh, you know when you're when you're a smaller guy, you really need to have some talent around you to get there. It's hard to just pick it up and carry it and carry a club. I mean, Chris Paul is going to get to 10,000 assists and have a 15-year career and all that. But is he going to end up playing in the finals? It doesn't look like it. It does not, no. So now the question for the uh, Jazz is, can they be consistent enough to mow down all these teams? Because you talk about how they're 50 games. That's a nice round number. Nine more games will be the exact midpoint of the season. And if you just compare records and look at the schedule – Man, they ought to win eight out of nine. Now, saying anybody ought to win eight out of nine sounds a little crazy. But how many of those are they going to grind out? Because if they're six and three, we'll be talking, we'll be sitting here in a couple weeks talking about, yeah, they got a good record at the halfway point, but it'll still feel like they left some games on the table. And if they beat a lot of these teams that are 
three to five to eight games under 500. Maybe they will be sitting on 27, 28 wins at the midpoint of the season. And then we'll all be, well, Quinn's teams always get better. 55's in play. And at that point, you got a pretty good team. So I am curious to see how, how, uh, how they go through these next games. Because by themselves, no, no one of them look that imposing. But as a group, we've all seen things go wrong, and then you compound it, and you're just like, well, how do we let that game slip away? Or how do we let this game slip away? Everybody, I suppose every team says that at the end of the year, except the team that's got home court all the way through the playoffs because it doesn't matter to them. Yeah, as long as they win in the playoffs, it does matter. But, uh, yeah, I'm expecting this team to win. I'm on board. This team is now playing to what it's capable of playing, and I expect it to continue. I don't see what the issue is. Why wouldn't it be? I'm, I'm a believer in talent. Talent wins in this league, and talent wins in most leagues, obviously, if not all leagues. And this team, relative to the competition that's ahead in these next nine games as we arbitrarily look at the halfway point, I believe it has the talent to do what it's supposed to do. And I see no reason why they're not winning eight out of nine games in my mind. And so they go into the halfway point, which is not the all-star break. It's just the halfway point. The all-star game doesn't come until another month till they get out of the way of the NFL playoffs. But I'm expecting this team to have the best record by far relative to the other seasons that Quinn Snyder has been the head coach of this team. Whether they get better the second half of the season remains to be seen, blah, 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 because then they have to reincorporate Conley at some point. And how does that work? And that's going to be an interesting dynamic when we get to that point. Because if you go into that point where you're playing really, really well, and then you bring in somebody else who hasn't been playing to his level, it's it's a delicate situation. But I still think as as I'm watching Joe Ingles play, He has proven that he could put the ball in the hoop from three-point distance, right, for a number of years. And so he got off to a slow start, and now he's in the starting lineup, and it's like he can't miss. You know, the other night starting four for four with the threes and all that stuff against Portland was all fun. So now he's getting back to where his averages are going to be where they were and have been, right? We would all agree with that. So he was on a bad streak. Now he's in a hot streak. So he's going to level out of where he's supposed to be. So my thought and my point that I'm making is when Conley comes back I'm expecting him to be in that same situation you know he hasn't played as well as he can so far but in my mind he's still a proven commodity maybe he won't average the 21 points that he had last year but it's not like they need him to average those 21 points but he will play better which bodes well for this team so yes I am on his bandwagon I don't know that the team is going to go to the finals or even the Western Conference finals but I think that it's not going to underachieve when we get to the rest of the regular season and into the postseason. And what does that mean? Well, we'll find out when we get there. But I think this team is going to be as advertised. That may mean other teams are better, but this team is going to be as good as it can be. Well, that goes back to the point, how good are these other teams? And, you know, there's plenty <laughs> there's long pent up demand here for championship and for some people that was the expectation when they got Conley but I still think if they get to 55 wins or the three seed in the west and possibly 55 wins would, would be both and you get the three seed in the west if they get to that they, then their offseason moves represent a significant step forward because they weren't getting anywhere near 55 they were basically averaging 50 wins for three straight years and they had a couple different groups in there you know, with the Joe Johnson, uh, George Hill group, and those guys moved on. And they got Donovan, and Gordon Hayward moved on, and they got Donovan Mitchell. 
But they still haven't come anywhere near 55 wins. And it looks like this group can do that. Now, a lot of things still have to fall in place. And certainly, just watching Houston play last night is a reminder that you got to have your guys and be healthy because if you don't have your star players, next man up sounds great. But when you're losing James Harden, you don't, you don't have a next man. There's, there's, you don't have another James Harden. you got Russell Westbrook, and you don't have another James Harden although they didn't have Russell Westbrook last night. But it's still not James Harden. So there's a lot of ground to cover. So you use the phrase, and you use this on social media, uh, jump aboard. Uh, the Jazz punked the Clips, who played their best ballers, shall we scoot over so there's enough room for the doubters to jump aboard. And uh, Blair says, there's plenty post-Oregon. You'd bandwagon Baylor's looking for a new ride right now. Uh, <laughs> Trying to hurt people, Blair. That wasn't bad, actually. DeGero says, once a jazz fan, always a jazz fan. Go jazz. He's firmly on the, jazz. He was on the bandwagon. Uh, Jason says, it was a nice win, but I'd like them to see them beat a top team that is fully healthy. It's a different game with Harold not out with the flu and Beverly at full strength and Kawhi not under the weather. But I hope the jazz keep building momentum by doing what they needed to in this game. So Kawhi's sick, too? Is that, that we're just going with that's, that? He, uh, that's what he's going with, yes. Oh, come what on. Going he with. put up 24 shots. That doesn't sound sick to me. Dallin says this win was so big. I knew we would come together as a unit. It just needed time. Still, we'll probably have some bumps in the road. It'll be awesome when we get Mountain Mike back, and that gives us more of a bench and makes us more of a threat. Mountain Mike? Mountain Mike. Yeah, that's his, that's his uh, Dallin's nickname for him. Mountain Mike. Uh, we say mountain, don't you expect mountain of a man like some six six left tackle or some seven two three hundred pound center? Rudy. Mountain. Even Rudy is kind of um slender. Slender, yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. Right. Uh, okay. Which when you have to defend a pick and roll twenty feet from the hoop, it's probably what you need. Like Al Jefferson was more a mountain of a guy, yeah. but Al Jefferson moving laterally defended a pick and roll, that was less than ideal. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know if a six-foot point guard can be a mountain. I mean, just by I definition. <laughs> I want mountain guys in basketball. I'll take them up front in football, but I don't know that I necessarily want them in basketball. I want them to be able to move. In this today's game, you got to be agile. you got to be sleek. you got to be able to move from point A to point B, wherever that might be. So I don't, I don't like mountain, Mike, no. Ryan, that was a really good game. I'm still worried about the Jazz bench play, but I am slowly becoming a believer in Clarkson. Well, I don't know that it's that slowly, Ryan. I mean, it's only two games. I mean, it's like not much of a transition here for him. Just throw him in the deep end and let him go. What was uh, Quinn's expression? We're going to throw him into the fire. That was it, not the deep end. We're going to throw him into the fire. So basically, they, they had to get some production off the bench, and he's coming and scored. And with the bench, if you could just trade hoops while the bench is on the floor, the starters are crushing people. Just trading hoops with the bench unit is good enough. Well, I like the mindset here. It's like, all right, Clarkson, we brought you in here to do some stuff. Here's what we need you to do. And in against Portland, he wasn't bashful. And some may say to the point where, gosh, he shot the ball too much. And eh, I'm okay with his aggressiveness. Now, don't take a bunch of bad shots. If the shots are there, then you take them. What I don't want is a bunch of bad shots. I don't want a bunch of four shots early in the shot clock or whatever they might be. And so I like the mindset that he showed right from the start against Portland. He's a veteran guy. He's 27 years old. That's a veteran guy in this league. 
It's not anybody who's passed his prime by any stretch, but he's been in the league a number of years. And I think it was more a mental thing. It's like, okay, Jordan, here's what we're bringing you in to do. Here's what we need you to do. And so, yeah, you'll get better acquainted with the guys in the system and the offense and all that stuff as we roll on. I understand all that. But for now, we need you to do some stuff that hasn't been done. And so far, he's been doing that. And it's only two games. But to me, it's the mindset that he brings of the aggressiveness. Don't just jack up a bunch of shots for the sake of jacking up shots, but look to score. Look to get your shots. And we'll figure out, and the players will figure out, what is your best move and all that type of stuff. But for now, the mindset that he's brought in, I thought has been outstanding in just two games. So when they brought in Kyle Korver last year, you know you're bringing in a guy who's going to be on the three-point line and he's going to hit shots for you. Clarkson's more of a scorer than a shooter, and the thing that I think he brings that they haven't had on the bench uh, is that he is going to, and we've seen just flashes of it, so we're probably judging it too quickly, but he is going to beat guys off the dribble. That I think we're all certain of. But I think he's also going to end up moving the ball and getting other getting shots for other guys. Not moving the ball in a point guard sort of way, but the, the way Quinn's offense is constructed, when you're in the pick and roll or if you take your guy off the dribble, you know where the other guys are supposed to be. And you can get the ball to him for a corner three or whatever it is. Now, with the first game, there's stuff going on and guys don't know. And they... They had an over and back where they passed up good shots and they threw the ball in the backcourt because Clarkson zigged and his teammate thought he was going to zag. And that will get fixed over time. And I think he is going to end up creating shots for other guys. And it may be hockey assists, and he doesn't have the assist, but he's got the pass that led to the pass. But he's always been able to beat guys. When he was a rookie with the Lakers, you could see he was quick with the ball in his hands and could get by his guy. And he can still get by his guy. And I think over time, that's going to be more of an advantage. Right now, it's just uh, get, get by your guy and put up a shot. And it'll always be some of that, but I expect he'll, uh, he'll get blended into the offense better on. And then we'll, or better later on. And then we'll have to see when Conley does come back, you know, what units are going to play together, who's going to be where, who's going to start, who's going to come off the bench. Um, I think there's. I think Quinn's probably going to go back to what he did, where with the six guys he really trusts, three of them are always going to be on the floor, and so. But we'll have to see. I don't know how far Conley is. You know, another week or two before he's back, and we start uh, seeing what Quinn's figuring out there. It is now time. We need to usher in. If we're going to have the screen assist, then we need to have the hockey assist. <laughs> I think we already have that. <laughs> I didn't exactly. No, I make wanted the specifics. I want Locke to be pumping up like he was always pumping up Gobert. I want to know who is doing well with the hockey assist. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. Number one, I do see what you're saying. Number two, I think uh, I think the Jazz management already knows that. I think the coaches, the front office staff, I think they know that. Well, Locke uh, is management. Not, I want not him public. to put it out there. Locke well, then he needs manager. to put put it out there. Senior vice president of stats. Yes, I want to know who's doing well with the hockey assist. You understand me? He's SVPS. The screen assist is my favorite play in the game now. I want to know about the hockey assist. He's on, locks on with us every Friday, and uh, we just have to remember that on Friday, and we can quiz him, and we can get the answer. We can get to the bottom of that. When I watch tonight's game, it's going to be all about the hockey assist. (laughs) Hockey assist. (laughs) 
Uh, Jeffrey says that was a quality Jazz win. And one notable stat, Joe Ingles shooting since entering the starting lineup. Yeah, it might be worth leaving Joe in for Royce when Conley returns. Clarkson has also turned that bench unit around. Well, Joe's got to start. I've been saying it for weeks, and I don't even know the game. I don't even understand it. When you use some of your lingo, I'm like furiously looking under the counter. Basketball for dummies so I can figure out what you're talking about and just hope that I can get to it quick enough so I can fool the public yet again. But to me, man, Joe Ingles in the starting lineup, yeah, and and tough, Joe. I hope you're listening right now after you got done making your beds for your kids. That was all the rage on social media yesterday. Dude, you're making $15 million a year. Pay somebody to freaking do it. Come on, Joe. But I don't want to hear it. Oh, I'm just a, I'm a team player. I do whatever. No, 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 no. You're an integral part of this team. You need to be in the starting lineup, and you need to be effective. Because when I look at this winning streak that they've been on, he is the number one reason. His play has elevated this team. So, tough Tui, Joe. You're not some just nice role player. No, you need, you're need. you not a superstar, and you're not necessarily an all-star, but you're somewhere in between just an average role player and a superstar, and you need to continue to do what you do. In November, we were talking about him shooting 27% from three and what happened and what's going on. In December, he's shooting 54% from three. That is ridiculous. He's back to uh, 40% for the season, which is kind of, that's the line. When you get to 40% in the NBA, you're a really good three-point shooter. He's back to 40%. And if we all had to bet higher, lower, or he finishes right where he is, who wouldn't take higher right now? I would. Higher and higher, baby. (laughs) Sing it, PK. (laughs) Give the man a tune, Yuck. Come on. I got to go a little more country. I'm down here in San Antonio. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up, Kalen Jones, Texas Longhorns writer for The Athletic, joins us at the top of the hour to talk Alamo Bowl tomorrow night. It's Longhorns and the Utes. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Tony and Austin will be broadcasting live at the grand opening about time. Pub and Grub Sports Bar at 1820 Traverse Parkway in Lehigh next to Harmon's on Tuesday the 31st from 10 a.m. till noon with great jazz swag. All right, DJ and PK. PK's in San Antonio for the Alamo Bowl. I'm leaving tomorrow morning. I'll be there for the game. And PK, it looks like there's some Ute fans already there. I saw some stuff on social media that looked like a pretty good turnout down by the Riverwalk. A lot of people in red getting fired up for the Alamo Bowl as the uh, team goes for win number 12. Send the seniors out the right way, as Kyle Winningham likes to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's big on sending the seniors out the right way. Yeah, there's a bunch of fans here. I don't know how many they're going to have. Obviously, it's not going to be like if it would have been a playoff game or even the Rose Bowl. But I saw, checking in last night, I saw a bunch that came up to me, were talking to me in the hotel. There's uh, some hotels, obviously, along the River Walk. And last night, they had an event. So, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff to do. And there's, the weather's great today, right now. I mean, it is just sunny, no clouds in the sky. It's supposed to be in the 60s. I don't know what you guys got 
back home. But here, it's supposed to be a real nice day. Tomorrow's supposed to be okay. And then they say rain on Wednesday. But most of us, including me, will be heading out of town on Wednesday. So who really cares as far as that goes, New Year's Day. But, yeah, you know, I think that, uh, to me, Utah needs to prove a little bit more of legitimacy. And the way you do that is by winning. And it would be a big downer to uh, go into the season, the offseason, with two consecutive losses. Uh, one thing, And see, it's the way you lost to Oregon. You really got beat up, and nobody expected that. It's one thing to lose, but they got beat in the interior, which was a shock because Utah normally doesn't do that. And then you don't want to be losing to a team that's only won seven games during the regular season. I don't care if it's Texas. You're not playing Earl Campbell or Vince Young or some of these other great players in the program history. We know it's a legendary program, but you're playing a team that only won seven ball games this year so you've got to win you got to put a positive spin not that you need to put a positive spin but a positive spin on these last couple of games because you get to 12 and 2 that's a really good season i don't care where you didn't go or what happened at the end but if you go to 12 and 2 unless you were 12 and 0 and then you lost your last two but you lost one game to a good Oregon team and now you come back and you bounce back and yeah it's so easy to sell you had a really good season at that point but if you lose not like you had a horrific season by any stretch but it is it is pretty much a downer it is definitely a downer if they lose the last two games. They lost the last two last year, and you've won the Pac-12 South, and you've been in the Pac-12 title game, but the back-to-back losses just sucks, and it would suck if they lost this game to Texas. All right, we'll talk more about the game with Texas. Kalen Jones, Texas Longhorns writer for The Athletic, because there are some issues here. Obviously, the Utes have lost a lot of guys in the secondary. Texas can throw the ball. How much are they going to be able to take advantage of that? How does that figure to play out? We'll talk with Kalen Jones, Texas Longhorns writer for The Athletic, and we will do that next on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.